Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. This isn't about your body. I'm Jesse Neeland and today I'm going to share a little thought with you and then kind of riff from there as I'm discovering what this podcast is all about. Um, so the thing I want to share first is that I had a client say that she was partnered with somebody once who loved and accepted her unconditionally and that she resented him for it. And I asked, why? Why would you resent someone for loving and accepting you unconditionally? That sounds wonderful. And she said, because she was using her partners as a form of validation and motivation regarding body image so that if he just accepted her unconditionally, then she didn't pass any standard you know, she didn't pass any test. He was just going to love her and accept her and think she looked beautiful, not because she had earned it, but because he just was offering it. And that didn't seem good enough. Because again, she was looking for the validation from a partner to say, I have assessed you as worthy. I have held you up against my high standards and decided you're worthy because that would feel more validating than someone who just said, I just, I'm just here offering you all this love and acceptance. The other thing was the motivation part. So there's also this aspect of how she was choosing partners at the time that was focused on picking somebody who would hold her accountable to basically to never get fat, to never let herself go, as she felt that would be, because she was trying so hard to maintain a body that was thin and fit and attractive that the thought of having somebody who loved her unconditionally and accepted her and thought she was beautiful no matter what, meant she was terrified she would just let herself go. Because she was working really, really hard and it was difficult. It's so hard to motivate yourself to, you know, turn down desserts and exercise for however long per day she was exercising, which was far too much. And, you know, uphold these habits of rigidity and count your calories and do all of these things that people do to keep their weight suppressed, to keep their weight below the the normal set point for what their body wants to be in sort of a comfortable way. And she had been doing that's really difficult. And so she felt like she needed to choose a partner who would hold her accountable to those same standards because he'd be someone who would not love or accept her if she got fat or let herself go. This is pretty horrifying. I also think it's really fascinating though, because she was putting words to something that I feel is actually pretty common but we don't talk about. People don't generally put words to this deep, dark thought, um, which is like, I am using my partner to validate my existence. And I am using my partner to keep me in line. You know, I am looking for someone who will judge me so harshly if I gain weight that I can't gain weight. That will keep me in line. That'll keep me motivated and driven so that I never... I never just feel accepted enough to let myself go. And we do this with ourselves all the time. But it's interesting to hear it with a partner because if you think about, well, so I, don't know, I don't know if you know this or not, but so many of the people that I work with, they often will hold these negative body image thoughts against themselves. It's like their inner critic is sort of trying to do that job. It's like the the patrol person inside of themselves saying, you're not good enough, you're disgusting, you're too fat, you're a failure. Like this inner critic is trying to keep them in line. The whole point of it 
is to try to get them to follow the rules that they've set out for themselves, whatever those are, and be good and prove themselves and, you know, stay in line, stay under control, basically. So your inner critic is constantly trying to oppress you, basically, you know, control you, um, make you do what it wants you to do, which is be perfect or stay thin or, you know, whatever the thing is. And so we do this to ourselves constantly because it feels like it'll be motivating. I mean, none of this is really conscious, you know, bear with me on when I, I put language to this stuff. Most of it is below the level of consciousness. Nobody is walking around thinking, ah, I will critique myself so much that I'll stay in line. No, but on an unconscious level, we invent a self-critic basically who will keep us in line in all of the ways that we feel is really important to be kept in line. It's like a little safety protective, <laughs> I don't know, inner police person. And from that place, the, the goal is to not mess up, right? It's like sort of intended to help or protect us, even if it feels horrible and causes us to like walk around in a state of shame and pain and uh, guilt and dissatisfaction all the time. Um, that is sort of where it comes from. So externalizing that to a partner is a really interesting thing to do. It's like calling in backup for your self-oppression. You know, you're like, you know what? I'm struggling a little bit over here with my my self-oppression. I'm not doing a very good job and I'm afraid if I become too happy or I feel that my partner accepts me too much, I will stop successfully oppressing myself. So instead, I'm going to pick a partner who, who will help me oppress myself so that I never let go of these rules, so that I never get out of line. I hope that lands with you as so intensely powerful because this is what we're doing. Can you think of the level of self-trust that is missing from this conversation? For somebody to get to a place where they say, I have to oppress myself, I have to um, suppress all of my, in, my emotions, my intuition, my desires, my needs, I have to force myself not to eat when I'm hungry, force myself to exercise when I don't want to and I want to rest, force myself to put on a performance so that other people like me, like all these things, I have to force myself to do them because that's, that's what has to be done. There's obviously that really strong belief there. Um, or else, you know, something bad will happen, but I don't trust myself to do it. It's too hard for me. Or maybe those feelings and impulses and desires and needs are all too strong. So you think, okay, I can't be trusted with this plan. So I need, I need backup. I mean, this could look a lot of different ways. You know, this doesn't just have to be a partner, right? You can also find friends who hold you accountable to your chosen oppression. Um, if you happen to run in circles with people who maybe you don't super uh, deeply click with, but they have what you want, which is like high status maybe, or a very particular look, or maybe they're sort of financially of a certain echelon, maybe you hang out with them as a way of holding yourself accountable to be that thing, whatever that thing is that you're chasing that you want. People do this all the time. Um, with a partner, it's just, I mean, there's a particular dynamic there, especially with when men and women partner with each other. But the, with a partner, it is just super invasive, I would say, because they're in your life, right? You're like eating dinners together. I've had so many clients tell me that they like put their partner in charge of keeping them from eating. Something like, um, you know, I bought all these snacks 
but then I made my husband hide them. Or I bought dessert, but I told myself I would only eat one serving. So I, you know, told my partner, if I go for more, they have to stop me. Which is just a really uncomfortable thought to have to stop your partner from eating when they want to eat. Um, I just have this image of like getting in between a, a dog and its, you know, food. It just it doesn't seem like it would go well or be healthy or positive experience for anybody involved. But it's a really common thing that I've heard. Um, it's very similar to, to saying something like putting a lock on the refrigerator so that I don't eat. I mean, just think about how powerful your urge is to eat if you're doing this. How little you trust yourself to eat the right amount for you if you're doing this. You are absolutely externalizing to the max, uh, sort of outsourcing this patrol, this oppression. You know, the lock has to keep you out. Your partner has to keep you out. You have to hide them so you can stay out of it. It's so intense. And most of the time I would say this is about food. It's a really obvious, tangible example around food. But it can be about other things too. You know, it can be if I don't want to go to the gym, you have to make me. Or even having accountability buddies around that kind of thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having an accountability buddy to reach your goals. Certainly nothing wrong with having like a gym buddy. But I will say that a lot of people approach that kind of relationship the same way. They're not really <laughs> using it as, I just want someone to check in with and hold me accountable to my goals. It's, I need someone to help patrol and depress me and make me do things I don't want to do because I don't trust myself to do them. So, I mean, that's a fine line. Only the person involved in that scenario can know whether it's coming from a healthy place or not for them. But that is certainly something I've heard a lot. And it's along the same lines as finding a partner to help oppress you, help keep you from ever feeling safe enough or accepted enough or loved enough to just be, just to let yourself be, which is different than letting yourself go, I think, because of the connotations there. But letting yourself be, you know, just eat when you want to eat and exercise in a way that feels good and be authentic. And what does that look like for you? Your body probably has a size in mind that would really easily and naturally settle that if you were doing all of that. But when people have been suppressing their weight using these uh, excessive or disordered relationships to food and exercise, it feels like it, it, that, that feels like it's not true. It feels like you have to do it or you'll blow up like a balloon. So this is very particularly around weight, but it could apply to anything too. You know, it could apply to beauty work. Um, I certainly have worked with women who have said, I chose a man who likes beautiful women because I, you know, I always want to hold myself to that standard. And by beautiful women here, I am referring to a very specific high femme, like high glam look. Um, so there is a particular kind of man who would choose a woman as his partner who upholds, you know, that sort of high standard of beauty ideals. And there are women who want that. There are women who specifically want that so that they can, again, just feel held accountable to never let themselves go. <sighs> so much I could say about this. It strikes me as really sad. I hope it strikes you as really sad, honestly, because it's an intense way of living. And if we did this about anything else other than, you know, body stuff, I just, I think we would see how abusive it is how self-abusive it really is 
I can't think of an example off the top of my head because everything else just seems completely bizarre. Like if I said to, I'm, I'm trying to breathe less often. So I'm going to partner with somebody who gets mad at me when I breathe too often. Like what, what a completely bonkers thing to think. It doesn't even make sense as an analogy because we don't have any similar association with breathing and how we should be repressing it that we do with hunger and, uh, you know, body, body image stuff. So I can't even come up with something for you there, but it, it really is a devastating way to live. And also just to unpack a little bit the idea that we, even when you're not doing this for like to keep yourself from ever getting too settled or comfortable uh, or letting yourself go, there is also the really common thing we do with choosing partners to validate ourselves. And this is, this is all genders, I should say. This is not just women, although there is a very particular patriarchal view of you know, women get the validation of men by looking a certain way. Men get the validation of women by being successful and masculine enough, like uh, by sort of dominating in a certain way or having financial um, status, high, high social status due to being rich, basically. Um, so these are things that we have tropes around this. There's a lot of patterns there, but everybody can, can date to validate themselves. Everybody can use sex and relationships and partnerships to validate themselves. It's very common. Also, everybody can break that habit if they want to. Um, but it takes a lot of self-inquiry inquiry and a lot of work to, to get there because it's really difficult. Um, so just to look at my past, I would say my sexual history was one in which I felt satisfied by my sex life, but not because I was getting any pleasure from it. What I was getting from it was a feeling of satisfaction and validation that I was attractive to someone to whoever it was so for me good sex was about feeling desired which is to say it wasn't at all about the sex it was about somebody proving to me that I was desirable that's literally the only pleasure I got from sex for I can't even tell you how long way too long in my life and honestly, I didn't even think that was a problem. Like at the time, I wouldn't have even told you, oh, I wish I had pleasure. I didn't even care. I mean, it, part of that is because I didn't, you know, you can't know what you don't know. I didn't know what real pleasurable sex would feel like. Um, this was a bit more like scratching an itch, you know, it was a little bit more like, like I craved it. But the big thing I was craving when I craved it was, generally speaking, validation. And if I was in a partnership, that would be the validation that my partner was into me and that things were good between us. And if I was single, it would be the validation of whoever it was being into me and reminding myself that I'm desirable and I can get that kind of, um, you know, connection or intimacy or whatever if I want it. So all of that is a really, I mean, looking back, it's really kind of messed up and sad, but it's also just super, super common. It's super normal because this is kind of what we're taught is like, if you get a high status partner, that proves that you're extra desirable. I know a lot of women who are like, they're going after a very particular type of partner just so that they can say they have that kind of partner so that everybody can see how desirable they are, how, how high status they must be to be chosen by this high status person. I mean, that is, that is empty when you really think about it. That is a hollow way to choose partners. Um, I can't even imagine what those partnerships would feel like from the inside. But the point being that it is really common to 
to use those relationships and interactions as validation without even thinking you're doing it, without, without even realizing that that's what you're doing because you just think, oh, this feels good, you know? It feels good that you want me, so that's what I want. It's pretty simple. And so in the case with my client, I would say it felt good to her that this person had chosen her. And it felt good to her that they were saying, I love and accept you for everything that you are. I think you're beautiful no matter what. In some ways, though, it would have felt better to her if they had said, I have, I'm really, really picky and choosy and I only like women of a certain status and you pass the test. You are that high status. And so I choose you. Which means she doesn't actually get to enjoy, she didn't get to enjoy the really lovely sounding connection that that person was offering her because she was so focused on, I need to choose a person who validates that I am desirable and high status because they are really choosy. And that's super sad. It's super hollow. So um, yeah, all of that just to sort of explore. I'm, I invite you to look at how you use validation in your own life because everybody does it a little bit differently. Um, and I, I say explore it with curiosity and no judgment at all because I really don't see this as like a negative thing. I think we throw around the term like, oh, she just, you know, she just wants attention or, she, you know, she's just doing such and such for, for the validation. We think of this as kind of an insult or like a pathological thing, but I don't think of it that way at all. It's very normal. It's very reasonable given the world we grow up in to end up in this situation. But I do invite you to be curious about it. Where are you seeking validation? What does that look like for you? And what does that alter in your relationships? You know, she never would have said at that point in time, I don't think I'm going to partner with this person because I'm afraid, you know, that, that them loving and accepting me will uh, mean I can't police myself as well. Like that's not, that wasn't going on consciously. She can only see that in retrospect. Um, but at the time, she might have just said, eh, I'm not that into him, right? Eh, I don't think he's that, that attractive. Eh, I don't know. It's just not working out. So those are things where I would say, get curious about how this shows up in your life, in your relationships, if it shows up there, um, how it affects things, what patterns it pushes you into or takes you away from, because this stuff is just super interesting. And then likewise, if you have any habits or patterns around not letting yourself go, meaning you have to keep yourself like beholden to a very rigid standard of um, eating, looking a certain way, acting a certain way, uh, being in a certain career trajectory, uh, being a certain kind of parent or person, like any of these things. It can be any of these things that if you feel like you are forcing yourself to be a way that doesn't come naturally to you, what is that? And what would it be like to just let yourself be what came naturally to you? I mean, I'm not even saying that that's inherently better. I'm just inviting curiosity into that space. Um, because, you know, in the case of my client, like she definitely is way better off now just letting herself be who she is in her body as it is. It's, it's something she's worked really, really hard for over the years. Um, but now she can see that that relationship was a missed opportunity that she only missed out on because she at the time couldn't see that it was safe for her to just be herself to let her body be. Where are you pushing yourself to be something you're not? Where do you feel like it wouldn't be safe to be who you are or just to let yourself follow your impulses 
trust your gut, trust your feelings, trust your <laughs> hunger, trust your body. I mean, those are, those are areas for exploration. And honestly, I think that's it for today. Um, it's always just something to bring interest and curiosity into this kind of conversation. No judgment. You know, I, I think this is the kind of thing where sometimes clients will hear me say this sort of thing and they'll be like, ah, it's like, I'm so broken. But no, not at all. None of this is, has to be seen as pathological. A lot of it is just being human, man. Being human is super messy and weird. And uh, this kind of thing is part of it. But, but having the awareness to look at these patterns and do the healing required in them sets you free. You know, it, it keeps you from needing to not only police yourself, but literally <laughs> hire out in your life, you know, get a boss, get a partner, get a friend who's going to keep you beholden to some bullshit standard that you invented for yourself and now feel that you have to force because who you are isn't good enough. I mean, really anything, anytime that you are forcing yourself to be something you're not because you believe who you are isn't good enough. Like that's a thing to get curious about and explore. I can't think of a single thing genuinely that would not be better off like explored and named and and experimented with in this way to allow yourself to just be who you are. Now granted, this isn't to say like, oh, you should, you know, give up on your goals in any way or act with total hedonism and disregard for society, but but even that, if you think that's what's going to happen if you let yourself be, and really listen to your gut and listen to your, your signals. I mean, that in and of itself is an interesting thing to explore. Because where did you come to learn that you would be such a hedonistic, uh, I don't know, scofflaw if you actually let yourself be yourself? That's, you know, that's sort of where this stuff comes from. Is we, we are taught not to trust ourselves. We are taught we are not trustworthy. That we need these external rules and policing. And we need it because we can't be trusted. If we are isn't good enough. And if we let ourselves just be that like it would be complete chaos so um yeah just inviting curiosity there and i think that's it for this week so thank you for being here and listening and i will talk to you next time